It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. It's going to take months before we can get the majority of Americans vaccinated. So, while we increase vaccinations, we're going to take steps necessary now to slow the spread of the disease as well. One of our 100-day challenges is asking the American people to mask up for the first 100 days, the next 99 days. The mask have become a partisan issue, unfortunately. But it's a patriotic act. But for a few months to wear a mask, no vaccines. The fact is that they're the single best thing we can do. They're even more important than the vaccines because they take time to work. And if we do this as Americans, the experts say by wearing a mask from now until April, we'd save more than 50,000 lives going forward. 50,000 lives. So I'm asking every American to mask up for the next 100 days. Yesterday, I signed an executive action it requires masks and social distancing on federal property. Today, we'll be signing an additional ex executive action to extend masking requirements on interstate travel, like on trains, planes, and buses. And in light of the new COVID variants that we're, you're learning about, we are, we're, we are in, in, we're instituting now a new measure for individuals flying into the United States from other countries. In addition to wearing masks, Everyone flying to the United States from another country will need to test before they get on that plane, before they depart, and quarantine when they arrive in America. Well, there's a lot to say about that. Sandy Rios with you. That was just one of uh, President Joe Biden's executive orders and his announcements last week as he flooded the airwaves with uh, the new policies of the leftist Regime. A couple of things to note about that. He said, we're going to make sure that people coming in from other countries are uh, clean, safe. We're going to vaccinate them or we're going to make sure they're vaccinated. So not to worry. The problem is, at the same time, executive orders are being signed to release and to allow anyone and everyone to come across the border. Now, Stephen Miller, who was President Trump's point man on immigration, I've known Stephen just as an aside, I know him, and he's uh, he's been terrific on this issue, uh, could not with you know withhold his frustration. And I want you to hear what he had to say about this. This is clip 12. Does any normal person yeah. right now in this country think the top priority is to make sure we don't deport criminal illegal aliens who've committed violent offenses against U.S. citizens? Does anybody in the country think the top priority right now is to destroy every job on the Keystone Pipeline or to join the Paris Climate Accord and shut down U.S. factories, drilling, mining, 
shale, whose priorities are these? They're the priorities of a narrow group of far left special interests who have jobs and wealth and security and who look down on everyday citizens who just want to live a better, safer, healthier life. Well, Stephen went on to say, now, I thought that's what he said in this. Let's listen to the next clip because he addresses what's happening at the border because what's happening at the border is that thousands and thousands of migrants are headed to the southern border. And so uh, Stephen does comment on that. He, if this is the wrong clip, then I'll have to tell you what he said. This is it. Let's listen. Clip 13. Acting Secretary Pekoski of Homeland Security, the fact that he signed a memo blocking the deportation of criminal aliens and gang members he should be ashamed of himself. He should have resigned instead of taking the order to sign that memo. That shame will live with him for the rest of his life. He will not be able to erase the shame of putting innocent Americans in harm's way to serve this radical agenda. And let's be clear, Joe Biden doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't have a clue. You know, if you look at the zoom out shot in his inaugural address, he's reading letters on a monitor that are larger than the Hollywood sign that, you know, famously is up on that mountain. You know, the, the, the orders are coming from 23-year-old Berkeley grads who majored in cultural Marxist studies, writing these things on the back of cocktail napkins and shoving them through the departments. Do you think Joe Biden read the order? Does anyone really think that Joe Biden knows? No. That because of his order, no. an MS-13 member today can't be removed from the country? It's madness, Jesse. Yeah, that's not the only madness. Uh, what he also said was, and these migrants coming across the border are not wearing masks. The uh, coyotes don't wear masks. Uh, they don't have the same health care treatment. They're coming over infected with COVID. They're coming into the country, and now the order is to release them uh, without any kind of precautions. So what Joe Biden said in his executive order, and let's listen again to that last part. This is clip six. Let's listen. In light of the new COVID variants that we're, you're learning about, we are, we're, we are in, in, we're instituting now a new measure for individuals flying into the United States from other countries. In addition to wearing masks, everyone flying to the United States from another country will need to test before they get on that plane before they depart, and quarantine when they arrive in America. Is there a laugh track, like a sad, cackling laugh? Maybe Kamala Harris's laugh could be inserted here. Uh, because this is what uh, Tucker Carlson reported on this. He got a copy of the email that was actually sent uh, to the DHS uh, border Prote Customs and Border Protection, is Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Sorry, they have such a long name. Uh, this is really what they received. Uh, the moratorium, oh, the pause in deportations, which begins Friday, is part of a review. Uh, the moratorium applies to certain non-citizens ordered, to de to ordered deported to ensure we have a fair and effective immigration enforcement system focused on protecting national security, border security, and public safety. That's the public memo. The private memo says this, as of midnight tonight, stop all removals. This includes Mexican bucks, bus runs, charter flights, commercial removals until further notice. All cases are to be considered no significant likelihood of removal in the foreseeable future. Release them all immediately. No sponsor available is not acceptable any longer. So when Joe Biden stands up there and tells you that all these people coming into the country on airplanes and coming into the country is the emphasis. 
will be checked. We'll make sure they're safe and healthy. That is an abject lie. And when they tell you that there's some sort of a, a measured approach to new, to new approach to immigration, that is a lie. They want to release everyone right now, including criminals and gang members and diseased persons. All right? So that's the truth of what's happening at the border. I'm sure we'll have a lot more discussions on that on a different day. All right, I want to talk to you about what's going to be happening today. Today, the White House is expected to lift their transgender, the trans, was President Trump's transgender ban in the military. They think that's going to happen today. And you might or might not remember that it wasn't just the confusion of allowing transgendered troops uh, and think about the confusion of that. Bathrooms, uniforms. They were designing transgender uniforms when they were last discussing this because the Pentagon, of course, is filled, thanks to Barack Obama, with radical leftists. Uh, so now we have uh, what the protocol is that people who are uh, want to transition are, are allowed all this time off, weeks and months to make the transition. The uh, American government pays for the removal of their sexual organs and all the, you know, the rest- listen, there's probably a dozen, I'm not sure the exact count, but there are multiple, multiple surgeries involved in transitioning. So while they are doing, while troops are doing this, they can't serve. And we, we pay for those procedures, hormone blockers, all of that. So that's what, you know, Joe Biden's going to do today, just so you know, but he's a moderate, right? He's a moderate. And for all of you uh, Christians uh, who are so certain that Donald Trump was, his tweets, his face, his rhetoric, he was embarrassing, the way he treated people. Because that was your issue. That was the thing that was important to you. He embarrassed you because you're much smarter. It just was kind of, he was icky. You remember that. You remember that with each and every stroke of Joe Biden's pen and soon Kamala Harris's pen. You remember that. You remember that. All right, so um, that's probably going to happen today. And um, abortion, of course. Uh, Roe versus Wade, the anniversary was Friday. I did a, a great piece, I think, great piece, great man. It wasn't necessarily a great piece because of me, but because of the subject matter. Joe Biden, the Green Beret, the pro-life movement. If you did not hear it, I hope you'll go back to Friday's podcast and listen. Uh, but it was the 48th anniversary of the Supreme Court decision, Roe versus Wade, where abortion was made, was shockingly, the United States was not there. The states were not there. Maybe New York and California were considering. No other state was. This was shocking. The activist Supreme Court dictated to the United, to the people of the United States that abortion will be legal for all nine months. I mean, think about that. That was shattering. Okay, so that's the 48th anniversary was on Friday. So let's see, Kamala Harris... Uh, wrote this, on the 48th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, we recommit ourselves to ensuring that everyone has access to care, including reproductive health care, no matter their income, race, zip code, health insurance status, or immigration status. And of course, by reproductive health care, she means abortion. Kamala is an expert on how to uh, expedite and ensure abortion. She's a Planned Parenthood, and she had been joined at the hip for a long time. And she is the person who went after David Dalyden, that young video maker who exposed that Planned Parenthood was apparently selling baby body parts for profit. Kamala Harris, the Attorney General of California, went after him with a vengeance. She will soon be our president. Just saying. 
Uh, and Joe Biden is fine with that. So, again, all of you uh, Christians who couldn't vote for Donald Trump because of his tweets, take note. All right, so also the Biden administration has announced that it will codify uh, Roe versus Wade in law. So just in case that uh, icky Supreme Court with their conservative justices, pro-life justices, decide to overturn Roe versus Wade, we'll have that handled because uh, we're going to have Congress pass this and legislate it. Both houses are controlled by them now, and we'll take care of that handily, and you can see how happy they are about that. Okay, so um, we will be talking more about this. I know we will. I want to just in the transgender issue an additional piece of information. Suzanne Goldberg, who is a Columbia University's exec- was Columbia University's executive vice president for university life, was just named acting assistant secretary for the for education uh, in the department's office for civil rights. Uh, she was um, the founding director of the law school's sexuality and gender law clinic and co-director of the Center for Gender and Sexuality Law. Now, the thing that I did not tell you is that when Joe Biden wrote his executive order last Wednesday on this, it said something like this. Uh, He said, um, It is the policy of my administration to prevent and combat discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation and to fully enforce Title VII and other laws that prohibit discrimination on the basis of gender identity and sexual orientation. Joe Biden says children should be able to learn without worrying about whether they will be denied access to the restroom, the locker room, or school sports. Um, And so um, this is just the beginning. And of course, what that means is uh, they're going to reinstate the Obama policies of forcing school districts around the country to allow children to use any bathrooms. But it will also apply uh, to federal employees. And so federal employees who are normally really on the left are really up in arms about this because that means that the thousands of females in federal offices will have to share bathrooms with men and their locker rooms too. And uh, it's funny, they, that was the resistance against the orange-haired, uh, um, you know, a badly behaved tweeting guy. And now they're going to have to share bathrooms with men and they're not very happy about it. So that's what happened, at least in part, last Wednesday. Okay, stay tuned, because when we come back, uh, I have uh, a good friend, John Laud, who just came back from the Trump administration, who has stories to tell us. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or more importantly, if you sign up for a plan that you're just not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare, and MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing program. It's been around for 25 years. They have more than 400,000 members now around the country. And get this, over the years, MediShare members have shared more than $2 billion of each other's medical bills, so they could help share your needs too. And best of all, You could save a lot of money with MediShare. The typical savings for a family is around 500 bucks a month. Your savings could be more or less, but think about what you could do with that extra money every month. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. You can join MediShare anytime, so call them today and check it out. There's no pressure. They're super easy to talk to. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. 
If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. And even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. We'll also consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment and negotiate much lower interest rates. Not only will you find immediate relief, you'll save thousands. And don't worry, it's not a loan. It's a smart way to get back on track. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call and we'll take care of the rest. Right now, no one really knows what the future will bring, but one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Liberty University is more than just exceptional academic programs, NCAA athletics, and state-of-the-art facilities. They believe in training champions for Christ. They know that where academic excellence and unwavering faith meet, there is liberty. Explore their campus virtually and learn how you can train as a champion for Christ online or on campus by texting TODD to the number 49596. That's TODD to the number 49596. A lawyer for PBS is looking for a new job after he was caught on video saying children of Trump supporters ought to be sent to re-education camps. Michael Beller worked in the general counsel office of PBS, captured on video by Project Veritas, a conservative group known for its undercover work exposing liberal bias. According to the video, which you can see on ToddSterns.com, he said Trump supporters are raising a generation of intolerant, horrible people. Horrible kids, that's what he said. He recommended targeting all Republican voters and having Homeland Security take the children away. Enlightenment camps, that's what he called them, where kids would be forced to watch Big Bird and Elmo all day long. PBS says Mr. Beller is no longer working for their company. Or, as they say on Sesame Street, he's been fired. Fired. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, Sandy Rios back with you. Uh, Interestingly enough, another thing that uh, Joe Biden, he's been only in office less than a week. Okay, so of course he's doing all these things. He's writing these orders by himself and scripting all of this. This is all his idea, right? (laughs) Not hardly. It's kind of like Wizard of Oz. It's uh, somebody behind the curtain. And uh, we know who a lot of the people are, but we don't exactly know exactly, exactly. It's kind of a mystery. I think, you know, John Podesta, I'm not sure if Hillary Clinton has a center role anymore. I'm sure they take her suggestions. Uh, But they've been planning this um, transformation, radical, of the United States of America for a very long time. The left believes in that long march through the institutions. They they're very patient, and they pass on from generation to ge- generation the plan. It's amazing. It's It really is amazing. You always say, who's doing this? And I think, you know, the thread of uh, Marxism and um, is in its own wicked way is, uh, is something that just attracts people, socialism, Marxism, uh, because sometimes they have higher motives, like they want 
things to be fair, but a lot of times it appeals to people who <clears throat> aren't terribly ambitious and and love to control other people. So we have a lot of those people, uh, and and worse and worse. Uh, Jan, um, Jen Psaki, who was the White House press secretary, announced just uh, a few days ago that, and you probably heard this, that President Biden has now requested a threat assessment on domestic violent extremism from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the FBI, and the Department of Homeland Security. You know they keep throwing this around. You know that there are thousands of troops still left in Washington. We'll get to that in a second because that's a real story. Uh, but um, domestic violent extremism, you'll remember that the FBI has had their hit their focus on those white nationalist domestic violent extremists. Those are the greatest th- threat, they told us, as they ignored Antifa. Remember, they the FBI said the Antifa was just an idea, not an organization. So, you know, couldn't be bothered. And Black Lives Matter, not you know, nothing about their Marxism or their violence or the actual deaths that did occur during, and still are. By the way, there are still riots going on in Seattle and Tacoma and other places, in case you wondered. I think I told you last week that the Antifa burned down, or not burned down, um, but uh, attacked and damaged uh, the Democratic National uh, Building in, I believe it was in Seattle. I think it was Seattle. It could have been Portland. Sorry. I don't, I don't know which one. But um, they, you know, said horrible things, and they said, we will not be governed. We will not be governed by Joe Biden or anyone else. So, But the FBI, you know, that's, you know, not so important. But people, you know, label white extremists and uh white uh, and domestic violent extremists like, you know, like those that went into the Capitol that day. By the way, is our guest with us yet? The go- those that uh, went into the Capitol that day, you know, those those people, those uh, Trump supporters. Uh, it's all points bulletin from the FBI, the Office of the Defense of National Intelligence, and the Department of Homeland Security. So uh, I am saying this tongue-in-cheek, tongue, tongue in cheek, but I cannot emphasize how dangerous that is uh, for people who really love this country and uh, loved Donald Trump because he supported our Constitution, our history, protected Christianity, and freedom of speech. Uh, those people, those are the ones now that are being sort of given the broad brush of domestic violent extremists. Well, joining us this morning is my good friend John Lott. John is the founder of and president of the Crime Prevention Research Center. Uh, he's an author of so many wonderful books, a former professor of the Ivy League schools, uh, who really left that to devote his life, really, his writing and his research to uh, what guns or the lack of them do to cultures around the world. John, thanks for joining us this morning. Great, great to talk to you. Hey, let me just say welcome back from to, to civilian life. Uh, can, you, can you tell us what you were doing with the administration? Sure. Uh, well, I was at the U.S. Department of Justice. Uh, my title was... Uh, Senior Advisor for Research and Statistics, and I was first of all in the Office of Justice Programs, and then uh, they moved me over to the Office of Legal Policy. So basically, I did some reports, and I and I commented on other people's work. And it wasn't necessarily related to guns, was it, John? No, it wasn't. Yeah, we should say that you are. That's your, you know, your day, <laughs> your day job used to be. I don't know if you'd call yourself. You're more than a statistician. What would be what would be your expertise in your own words? Well, I'm a I'm trained as an economist. 
and uh, and I've done a lot of kind of standard work that economists do. Uh, but you know, uh, obviously, I know some statistics, but that's not it. And, and I'm not just limited to guns. Now, at the Crime Prevention Research Center, we do lots of topics covering different aspects of crime. Okay. Um, one last thing before we get into just the specifics of what's happening now. Uh, so many people and friends of mine are under tremendous duress uh, who worked with the Trump administration. Have you sensed any of that? And do you, are you? Uh, can you kind of describe for us what's happening? Uh, well, I mean, uh, you're saying, look, I mean, I think Trump was a great president. Uh, that's the reason why I went to agree to go to work uh, last fall uh, for his administration. Um, and, uh, you know, I worked in the government before. I worked uh, in the 1980s. And, uh, you know, both times there's a lot of, overwhelmingly the civil service are Democrats. One thing that was different this time when I went back is that they were willing to go and tell you in your face, basically, that they were Democrats. I mean, it was much more political uh, going and dealing with the civil service than uh, than it was beforehand, and I suppose that was probably one of the more depressing things to me. Uh, you know, you go and um, you know, people hear about how uh, the head of the FBI, Comey and Strzok and uh, McCabe and everybody else kind of had similar political views. You know, the only reason why they were able to go and do the types of spying that they had on a presidential candidate was because they didn't have to worry about anybody there at the top kind of spilling the beans. They all had the same views on things. Unfortunately, one of the things that I kind of ran across when I was at the Department of Justice is um, I think that type of political corruption unfortunately, goes way down the chain. I dealt with people uh, that were kind of in the data-gathering part of the FBI, and I guess I've become convinced that uh, that same corruption is there. Um, you know, I'll give you one example. Um, one of the things that I was trying to help with was uh, the mixed background check system. You know, people frequently claim, gun control advocates will claim that there are 3.5 million dangerous prohibited people that have been stopped from buying guns because of background checks. That's simply false. Uh, there have been 3.5 million initial denials, and virtually all of those are mistakes. Something like 99% of them are mistakes. Wow. And overwhelmingly, it's uh, blacks and Hispanics that are being discriminated against. So I'm I've had some data, but I wanted to get better data while I was there uh, on that question. And I'd convinced the Bureau of Justice Statistics to go and request that information. Um, it took about four weeks for the FBI to get back. And when they did, uh, and first of all, they tried to convince us that, no, that wasn't an interesting question to look at. Uh, you know, why would anybody look at racial or, or demographic breakdowns for who was being denied? Uh, you know, they look at that data type of question all the time in data in the FBI. But um, when they finally got back two days after the election, they said, well, you're going to have to fill out a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request. 
and uh, they couldn't get around to it. They were sure until after January 20th. And so, you know, just people, I was stunned. I mean, people were stunned that the FBI was insisting on a FOIA request. I mean, this is one part of the Department of Justice asking another part of the Department of Justice for, for information, information that they regularly request type of, you know, this is the Bureau of Justice statistics within the Department of Justice. Nobody had heard of that. I mean, this FOIA requests are normally something that, uh, you know, a media outlet will have to fill out. And, uh, you know, for them to explicitly kind of say, look, you know, uh, we're not going to get around to this until after January 20th was kind of their way of saying that, look, they knew that the Biden administration wasn't going to be interested in getting this data, and uh, so you shouldn't even bother asking for it. Wow, John, that is just, uh, we're not surprised because we know this, and now Chris Ray has been reappointed. Of course, of course he's been reappointed uh, because he's at the center of all of this, uh, I think, scandal. Scandal's probably too kind of a word, corruption insurrection, undermining of the government. He's part of it, and so he's going to stay in place. I want to ask you, though, about what I, I teased before you, before you joined me, about what you all you know, that they are now you know, doing this huge threat assessment against domestic violent extremism springing from that uh, insurrection at the Capitol. Uh, I just want to know what your thoughts are about what's happening with that and the dangers. Well... Uh, yeah, I heard you before we started talking, and, you know, it's scary. Um, you have a few hundred people that did something that was wrong there. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, this whole impeachment thing, I have to say, is bizarre to me. Uh, anybody who actually listened to Trump's speech uh, that was there knows that he didn't call for violence. In fact, it was the exact opposite. He asked people to peacefully march over to the Capitol and show their support for those congressmen and senators who were, you know, wanted to challenge what had been going on, uh, you know, who wanted an audit of, uh, of the voting that was there so they knew what was happening. And, uh, and besides that, they were there doing the riots well before Trump finished his speech, uh, anybody who's been in that part of Washington, D.C. knows that it's going to take uh, 20 minutes or a half hour to go and walk between where he was giving the talk and the Capitol anyway. So these people were probably on their way, you know, maybe at or before the time Trump even started speaking. So to go and blame him for that is ridiculous. But, you know, just as a comparison... Uh, in 2017 at Trump's inauguration where you had violent riots, um, you had all sorts of major Democrats saying that uh, Trump was an illegitimate president. Uh, none of those people have denounced any of the violence that occurred at that time, uh, not once over the last four years. Trump immediately denounced this violence. Uh, he denounced it a couple times that day, denounced it the next day. Um, but, you know, for them to go and claim that Trump was an illegitimate president, they're not responsible in their minds for any of the violence that occurred. Um, but Trump going and asking people specifically to peacefully demonstrate is somehow, uh, and he condemned it. They still haven't condemned it. 
So, you know, it's just, uh, it's not a question of double standards. It's a question of having completely different standards for Mm -hmm. these things. Yes. John, Um, let me just interject. You guys back in the studio. Let's hold this break by five minutes because John and I need to talk a little longer. Your article in uh, Newsweek, I think it is, this is Newsweek, uh, Don't Let Anti-Gun Activists Weaponize the Capitol Hill Riot. You make a lot of points in there, John. We won't have time for all of them, but one of them is that uh, hardly anyone used a gun in the Capitol. It wasn't the people in... But but uh, I want to ask you about one thing. You know, uh, one girl was shot point blank, a veteran. Her name was Ashley Babbitt. Uh, and uh, do you know anything? We've, we hear nothing about that now. She's almost like uh, lost from, you know, the news. What do you know about that and uh, the uh, discovery surrounding that shooting? Well... You know, I think, unfortunately, a lot of this is going to be political. Uh, you know, just compare the riots during uh, Trump's inauguration. Uh, there's something like 195 people who were arrested. None of those people were prosecuted. I guarantee you that same process isn't going to happen with regard to anybody at the Capitol here uh, on this. Look, people should be punished for doing what happened, but... Again, it's a completely different set of standards that are being used. Uh, my guess is we're going to get a fair amount of news coverage on any of the prosecutions that occur. And, uh, you know, I think nobody over the last four years with all the riots this last year in different parts of the country, including D.C., uh, was calling the, the left-wing people who were doing these things domestic terrorists, Nobody was going out and claiming that we ought to go and have a massive national investigation into these individuals. Uh, you know, particularly the Democrats were saying that precisely... Hold a break, please, you guys, five minutes. Sorry. Go ahead, John, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, the opposite would happen, and, you know, I obviously... Look, you have a... When Biden was vice president, his administration found no problem going using the FBI, CIA, and NSA to go and spy on the uh, you know opposing political party. They had no problem using the IRS to go after their political enemies. They had no problem actually spying on U.S. senators and their staff. They had no problem uh, going and spying on reporters and the relatives of reporters. Uh, but, you know... Trump's the authoritarian one, right? And uh, and so, you know, given the type of track record there and given, unfortunately, the media's lack of interest in those types of abuses, I'm concerned for the same reasons that you are about how this could go off the rails and, and how, you know, we're not going to hear anything about it. You yes, know, and I think... And to be clear, we should say, and I want to say, I've said it before, but it needs to be said again. What's actually happening here is that the demonization of Trump was successful. Uh, They managed to uh, paint him, and I don't even fill in the adjectives because everyone knows. Uh, And then they pinned the problem at the Capitol on him, which was completely false, as you laid out. But now they have to demonize his supporters because, uh, so you know, what, 75 million voted for him, and I think a whole lot more than that. Uh, and so we have to be demonized in order to be marginalized, in order to be controlled and targeted, because our regular citizens won't get that unless their neighbors are made to be evil. So that's really what's happening here, John, don't you think? No, I agree. 
I mean, I've been attacked a lot for working in the administration. Uh, you know, the gun control groups and what have you have kind of just gone nuts. Bloomberg's different media out- outlets have gone after me a fair amount. Uh, but, you know, um, and I assume that the Biden administration is going to investigate and take legal action against those that worked in the Trump administration. So, you know, I, this isn't over. And, you know, here's the bizarre irony in that the media constantly paints Biden as a uniter, you know, just because he says it 50 times. Um, you know, and, uh, uh, yeah, but Biden tacitly uh, encourages the impeachment effort against uh, Trump. Uh, he goes and he calls uh, Trump supporters racist multiple times. And, of course, during the campaign, he had the most vicious lies about things like Charlottesville, that somehow the fine people on both sides was referring to uh, the neo-Nazis and white supremacists, even though Trump had explicitly, in the same statement, condemned uh, those particular groups, and that anybody who actually, you know, listened to, you know, the entire paragraph where he was talking about it, uh, w- w- was completely clear that those people he condemned totally, and that he was referring to people who were just interested in the history there to preserve the monuments. Yeah. So, so that was know, laying the knows. groundwork. That was laying the groundwork for what's the, the you know the explosion of what's going to be happening now, uh, John. In our few remaining men- moments, and by the way, we'll put your article. Don't let gun, anti-gun activists weaponize the Capitol Hill riot. And let me just say that uh, John's information can be found at crimeresearch.org. Crimeresearch.org. So, John, uh, what do you expect now to unfold? Because you know uh, Biden and uh, certainly Kamala Harris and the people behind the curtain. I want to do away with the Americans' Americans' right to carry guns. What do you expect to unfold here? Well, I think they're going to do as much as they can. How bad it is is probably going to depend on Joe Manchin in the Senate and whether he agrees to get rid of the filibuster or not. problem with Manchin is he's basically caved eventually to what other Democrats have wanted, despite what his promises have been. You know, so... What can they do? Well, they're going to try different regulatory things. They're going to try to define who's a licensed dealer to make it much more costly for people to be able to go and sell guns. They want to go and classify semi-automatic uh, rifles as Class three weapons. Traditionally, that has been machine guns. I'm sure there will be court challenges on that. Uh, you know, So a Class three weapon might be um, uh, a silencer, but they want to go and include things like uh, magazines that um, uh, hold more than 10 rounds that will require people to go through a much more extensive process for licensing. Uh, it takes about nine months or so. That process will probably get much longer. And you'll have to pay $200. And there's, you know, there are other types of fees and penalties that they're going to want to impose to make it costly for people to be able yes. to go and own guns. Um, yes, and, and uh, ammunition, making that difficult and expensive. I've heard already moves to do that. So there's a lot more to say, John. I'm sure we'll have a reason to talk many times in the next four years and perhaps after that. But, yeah, John Lott, again, president of Crime Prevention Research, and you can find his information at crimeresearch.org. John Lott, thanks so much, and thanks for your service to the country. Um, this is Sandy Rios in the morning on Thank AFR you. Talk.
We study all of the statistics and then we make our decisions. And there's nothing wrong with an informed decision. But sometimes we need to get back to the core truth of who we are as God's people. We need to learn what it means to live by faith. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, The Life God Blesses, next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. How much does a six-month subscription to the AFA Journal cost? It's free! For six months, you can read articles and updates in the pro-life movement. You can read about family-friendly entertainment, laws that may impact your family or your business, and of course, what the American Family Association is up to and how you can help. So what are you waiting for? Visit afajournal.org for your free six-month subscription to the AFA Journal. Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A popular effort in social revisionism is happening where racism, which is better described in biblical terms as skin color-based partiality, is a crime of which only people of lighter skin color can be guilty. Let's be clear. Factions, divisions, and dissensions, including those based on skin color, are the fruit of the sinful flesh. The root cause of partiality is sin. Every person, regardless of the quantity of melanin in their skin, is capable of partiality. The only remedy for sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. But David strengthened himself and the Lord his God. Brian Fisher here with the Life and Liberty Minute. While David and his men were at war, the Amalekites burned their hometown to the ground and kidnapped their families. David and his men wept until there were no more tears left to weep. To make things worse, his men blamed David for the whole thing and wanted to stone him to death. A reality of life is if you're in leadership, whether it's in your home or in business or sports or ministry, there is no such thing as a string of unbroken successes. That can produce a tremendous amount of stress in us as it did in David. We're likely to get less praise than we deserve, and we may get blamed for things that are not our fault and outside our control. We must do what David did, strengthen ourselves in God, and inquire of Him until we hear from Him and He shows us the way forward. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Preeminent concern about a Biden-Harris presidency is whether those two old friends of communist China will do its bidding to America's great detriment. One of the administration's first ominous acts suggests they are so inclined. An initial Biden executive order clears the way for the Chinese to increase the presence in our electric grid of their transformers, chips, and other technology, blocking the implementation of a sensible Trump directive requiring the elimination of such foreign equipment from our most critical infrastructure. The risks of this concession are incalculably high. If the Chinese gear fails or is deliberately disabled by Beijing, the effect could be a protracted and possibly catastrophic interruption of electricity essential to our economy, society, and lives. This decision is also a warning of other dangerous appeasement of the Chinese Communist Party to come. It must be reversed now. This is Frank Gaffney. 
Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. I was struck by something that President Biden said yesterday in his inaugural speech. He said there are truth and there are lies. Um, lies told for power and for profit. And I heard that as a direct shot at some of the media companies that lied about the election results. We know who they are. I mean, they're, they're you know, right-wing companies. Some are more fringe than others at this point, or more, I guess, extreme than others. And so if they continue to engage in lies, something that he is trying to combat, what is your communication strategy? Will you deny those networks, any interviews? I mean, what happens if they revert to form immediately. So that's Allison Camarado, the news person on CNN. Uh, she's asking the uh, the White House communications director, Kate Bedingfield, about, you know, are you going to do something about this? Are you going to stop these outlets, you know, like Fox and Newsmax and One America News and all these other, you know, outlets that lie? They're lies. And, you know, we're telling the truth, which is what we keep hearing on CNN. And uh, so I just gave you Allison's uh, question because I just thought I'll just give you two examples, just like current examples. COVID, you know, under President Trump has been um, horrific. Everyone's dying. Your neighbors, your children, everyone's being carried out in body bags. The danger is so great that now we must be masked uh, all the time and social distance or else we will perish. Uh, The problem is, of course, that's really not true. It's exaggerated. It's been used to scare people to death. And I'll sort of let me give you two illustrations of that. Joe Biden, after he issued his mask mandate, was seen on federal property at the Lincoln Memorial and other places with no mask and not social distancing. But you must, and I think, wouldn't you think that if he really believed his life was in danger, he wouldn't do that? Okay, so, but how about media? So NPR On January the 19th, the day before the inauguration, this was their headline. As death rate accelerates, the U.S. records 400,000 lives lost to the coronavirus. On January 21st, two days later, the day after the inauguration, this was their headline. Current deadly U.S. coronavirus surge has peaked, researchers say. So suddenly... It changed in two days, the day after the inauguration. Of course, there are a lot more changes that I'll get into at a later date. But I want to just talk. I, my point is just to tell you that the media is just incorrigible. And yesterday, it was really kind of fun. And I'm going to try to play all these clips if I can. Uh, Rand Paul was on with George Stephanopoulos, and they had a really interesting exchange. Let's listen. Senator Paul, let me begin with a threshold question for you. Uh, this election was not stolen. Do you accept that fact? Well, what I would say is that the debate over whether or not there was fraud should occur. We never had any presentation in court where we actually looked at the evidence. Most of the cases were thrown out uh, for lack of standing, which is a procedural way of not actually hearing the question. There were several states in which the law was changed by the Secretary of State and not the state legislature. To me, those are clearly unconstitutional. And I think there's, a, there's still a chance that those actually do finally work their way up to the Supreme Court. Courts traditionally and historically don't like to hear election questions. But yes, were there people who voted twice? Were there dead people who voted? Were there illegal aliens who voted? Yes, and we should get to the bottom of it. I'll give you an example. In my state, when we had a Democrat Secretary of State, 
She refused, even under federal order, to purge the rolls of illegal voters. We got a Republican Secretary of State, and he purged the rolls. But, uh, Senator it Paul, does I make have a to, difference, I, and those things I, I have, have to, to stop occur. you there. there no, no, no election is perfect, but there, there were 86 challenges filed by President Trump and his allies in court. All were dismissed. Every state certified the results after investigations counts and recounts. The de Department of Justice, led by William Barr, said there's no widespread evidence of fraud. Can't you just say the words, this yeah. election was well, not what stolen? What I would suggest is... What I would suggest is that if we want greater confidence in our elections, and 75% of Republicans agree with me, is that we do need to look at inte election integrity, and we do need to see if we can uh, restore confidence in the elections. Well, 75% of Republicans agree with you because they were fed a big lie by President Trump and his supporters who say the election was stolen. Why can't you say well, I think where President you make, Biden I think, won a I think legitimate where you make a mistake and uh, Hey, George, 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 where you make a mistake is that People coming from the liberal side like you, you immediately say everything's a lie instead of saying there are two sides to everything. Historically, what would happen is if I said that I thought there was fraud, you would interview someone else who said there wasn't. But now you insert yourself in the middle and say the absolute well, fact is that everything I'm saying is a lie. All right, so and Rand is not finished, so we just have to keep listening. This is clip two. Well, because, but I Senator, I said what the president the said was a lie because to. he said, hold we're on a second. To. He said the election was stolen. This election was not stolen. This the results were certified in every you're single was, state you're saying, after counts you're and saying, recounts. You're saying that absolutely it was, you're saying there was no fraud and it's all been investigated. And that's just not true. So it's not what I said, sir. I said the Department of Justice okay. found no, no evidence. Let, let me finish, finish my point. No, you say you said lie. something that was you, not true. You say we're all liars. You're just simply saying we're all liars. And I said it was a lie that the election was stolen. Premise that you're right and we're wrong. Well, let, no. Well, let's let's talk about the specifics of it. In Wisconsin, tens of thousands of absentee votes had only the name on them and no address. Historically, those were thrown out. This time, they weren't. They made special accommodations because they said, "Oh, it's a pandemic," and people forgot what their address was. So they changed the law after the fact. That is wrong. That's unconstitutional. And I plan on spending the next two years going around state to state and fixing these problems. And I won't be cowed by liberals in the media who say, there's no evidence here and you're a liar if you talk about election fraud. No, let's have an open debate. It's a free country. It, there's there is no widespread evidence of election fraud that overturned the results. That was stated as well by the Department of Justice, led by President Trump's attorney general. In Wisconsin, there were counts and recounts. Never studied that. Even that's certified. not true. Even that's not true. Even William that's Barr not said true. that directly. Barr said that, but there was yes, he said that. Yes, that was a pronouncement. There has been no examination, thorough examination of all the states to see what problems we had and see if they could fix them. Now, let me say to be clear, I voted to certify the state electors because I think it would be wrong for Congress to overturn that. But at the same time, I'm not willing just to sit here and say, oh, everybody on the Republican side is a liar and there is no fraud. No, there were lots of problems and there were secretaries of state who illegally changed the law and that needs to be fixed. And I'm going to work hard to fix it. And I won't be cowed by people saying, oh, you're a liar. That's the problem with the media today is they say all Republicans are liars and everything we say is a lie. There are two sides to every story. Interview somebody on the other side, but don't insert yourself into the story to say we're all liars because we Sir, think there's some fraud they're, in the they're, election. They're not all right, we have to keep going because uh, he did such a great job. This is how it finished, clip three. There are not two, there are not two sides to the story. 
This has been looked at in every single state. The election oh, sure there are. certified there are in every single state. There are two sides to every state. story. George, you're forgetting who you are. You're forgetting who you are as a journalist. If you think there's only one side, you're inserting yourself into the story to say, I'm a liar because I want to look at election fraud and I want to look at secretaries of state who illegally change the voter laws without the permission of their state legislatures. That is incontrovertible. It happened. And you can't just sweep that under the rug and say, oh, nothing to see here. And everybody's a liar. And you're a fool if you bring this up. You're inserting yourself into the story. A journalist I'm, would hear both sides, and there are two sides to this story. I'm, sta I'm standing by facts. There are not two sides to facts. I did not say there, <laughs> that this was a perfect election. I said it was. the results were certified. I said it was not stolen. It is You're a lie to say people are liars. You're stolen. saying people are liars if they want to investigate what happened in the election. Shouldn't That's we not what I said. the fact that tens of thousands of absentee ballots did not have addresses on them and normally were disqualified, but this time they were counted? Should we examine that? I don't know whether it affected the election or not, but I have an open mind. And if we actually examine this, we find out it didn't, that's fine, but it still should be fixed. There, there can be more investigations. The investigations that have taken place have shown there is not enough fraud to change the results of this election. That has been certified by every state. It was stated by the Justice Department and the Attorney General. And I accepted the state certifications, but it doesn't mean that I think that there wasn't fraud and that there weren't problems that have to be investigated, and it doesn't mean that the law wasn't broken. I believe in Pennsylvania they broke the law, and I believe if that ever would get a real hearing in the Supreme Court, it was denied for standing. It wasn't actually taken up. If it were taken up, I do believe that the Supreme Court would overrule and say that they did break the law illegally. All right, so now we, I have question. to cut it off. So, he, okay, here he goes back. You got to, well, you say the election was not stolen. Oh. Do you accept that fact? It's like the old Marxist, you know, on your knees, repeat that you have to say this, you have to say this, and Rand Paul's not having it. And I just want you to see that's the kind of spine it's going to take because truth still has a power. That's why George has to talk over him and shut him up and call him a liar because truth uh, has power. So let's speak it. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.